On this week's episode, what did Xbox reveal with its showcase? Did Jurassic World find a box office dominion? And Marvel gets ready to unleash the Thunderbolts. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanican Media, also, the great folks at the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, and all the great things that we do at popculturecosmos.com and, of course, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day, like the Xbox Showcase. We just dropped all the knowledge there. Plus, also, as well, we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer right there on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And if you could support all of that, it is sincerely appreciate it but it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend he is our own pop culture showcase for pop culture cosmos you can go ahead and catch what he's doing today at humanican media at humanicanmedia.com and humanican media wherever you get your social media plus popculturecosmos.com his tremendous podcasts that are out there the super bs games cast and of course topic Ocalypse plus his amazing book, which you can still get today at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, entitled Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What is up? It's been a while. It I know. Wild. I'm so amazed. I remembered everything, and I did it fluidly, and I did that coming off of vacation. Nice. You did. You did. Well, well done. Well done. It's been a while and not in the context of the Stain song. Yes, absolutely. I know with you and your references to music since you returned to Facebook, that Nickelback joke went on in your social media that I thought was very funny. And thank you. Of course, the Angels of Anaheim, which, you know, you and I both remember quite fondly from our days in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have uh, tried to induce that in order to try and get rid of their losing streak, which they finally got rid of, which was so funny that it takes Nickelback in order to go ahead and try, try to uh, relieve the pain. But great to see you, my friend. Uh, I know that you and I have a lot to talk about today because the Xbox just finished its showcase. The Xbox showcase just completed. So we're going to be talking about the good about that, plus comparing it to Jeff Keighley's fantastical summer video game showcase. Plus also mentioned a little bit PlayStation State of Play that happened a little over a week ago. So we're going to talk about all these different gaming things and seeing what we liked from them. Plus also as well, we're going to talk about the comparisons to if they were all together on an E3 platform. Once again, I'm going to go on my soapbox on E3, and that's coming up here in a bit. But also is where we're going to talk about 
Jurassic World Dominion and its initial returns. Where does it stand in the pantheon of Jurassic movies? And is there a future again? I know we touched on it on Friday's show with Melinda and I, but I want to hear Josh's thoughts as a bigger fan of the Jurassic series than me. I want to hear his thoughts on where the series can go from there. Plus, Marvel's Thunderbolts. Yes, that is looking more and more like it's a go for the Thunderbolts. So we'll talk about the Thunderbolts. And my good friend, Mr. Rafael Barlow. He's been scouting NBA players all around the world, and he's been doing a great job with his shows at the NBA Big Board podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network and his Substack NBABigBoard.com. He's going to stop by to talk about Netflix's hustle. Was this hustle for Netflix a good one? He's going to talk about that on the show as well. But first, my friend, it is the Xbox showcase that just appeared with a lot of great announcements and it was all pre-recorded and all pre-taped and all homogenized and sanitized just like the summer showcase from Jeff Keighley, the summer game fest to be exact, that was all homogenized and all sanitized and the state of play was all sanitized and homogenized. It gave us all these great announcements, but really because they're all disjointed, because it came at different points during the past almost two weeks now, Gorilla's Game Fest, there were other independent game fests as far as from other developers, they're all doing their own thing. It just seemed to me like it was all disjointed and just seemed to me, just like I said before, without an E3 to bundle it all up, it just seemed to be missing a little bit of that something to go ahead and connect with a general audience at large. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that context. I think the E3 weekend was cool because you had all the bigs giving their conferences in a span of, what, three or four days usually. Mm-hmm. With this one, you had PlayStation State of Play happening, la- I think it was last weekend, right? Or last week sometime? Yeah, it was a little over a week ago. It's about to close to closing in on two weeks. And then you had the state, the summer gaming stuff happening sporadically throughout the week. Yeah, the, the big one of all. Today. Yeah, our good friend um, Jeff Keeley. Okay, he's not our friend. But he's <laughs> someone that we talk about on the show. The Summer Game Fest. Speaking of Keeley, I'm surprises the heck out of me that Kojima is working on something exclusively with Xbox. That's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I know that was one of the big takeaways that I know a lot of people were talking about coming away from the Xbox showcase. I know with the Summer Game Fest, it really didn't have a whole lot of panache or pizzazz with a lot of great announcements. I know that it was kind of weird to see a PlayStation game being featured on the Summer Game Fest when they had their own state of play in The Last of Us remake coming to PlayStation 5. So it just seemed like there was a little bit that you could take away from each and every major showcase that was out there. State of play, obviously, with the fact that God of War is going to come to November. The God they of War didn't Ragnarok. Even announce that. Yeah, they didn't announce that, though. That came out in a tweet. Yeah, that, later on. Later, yeah. Yeah, but the thing with the state of play with you know, Street Fighter Six and Final Fantasy, that you know everything that they showcase there, is it going to be exclusive? Most of the stuff that they announced is not going to be exclusive. It's going to have some window of exclusivity, but for the most part, a lot of stuff is not going to be that they showcased eventually just on a PlayStation platform. Same thing with Xbox. A lot of the stuff that they showcased today will have some type of exclusivity, but not for long. It's going to be on all these other different platforms at some point. 
I know on the Xbox Games Pass, you're going to be able to get it on PC and Xbox. So I ask you, trying to whittle everything down to just the exclusives, just the console exclusives for each, I still think in the long run, in the long run, I still think right now PlayStation has the better first-party games list, but I think Xbox is closing the gap. Yeah, I mean, Sony doesn't really focus too much on like highlighting indie developers, whereas Microsoft really, really does that. If you ask me, like looking at everything that was announced, I think that Microsoft, I really like the Sony state of play, but I do think Microsoft won the show just because they had a bigger amount of things announced and coming out. Yeah, within um, the next 12 months. Let's within the next game. 12 months, yeah. yeah. And Sony's like notorious for t- discussing things that will come out years later but i mean going down this list here like i don't know if resident evil or street fighter will be exclusive i know final fantasy 16 is exclusive but it's coming out 2023 so that's going to be sometime soon and they have the psvr exclusives looking at this i you know i i don't know too much about the psvr too but do you think that that is how do you think that tech's going to work because i know when oblivion came out it was a mess, right? Like well, the sensors weren't picking up the movements. And, and that's another thing I want to comment with State of Play. The State of Play, yeah, it had probably the bigger names of the two between that and the Xbox Showcase, but a lot mm-hmm. of it was split between PlayStation VR 2, which is not even out yet, which is coming yeah. soon, and what PlayStation doing. So you take away all the PlayStation VR 2s, which should have initially had its own showcase. I really think that they should have had its own showcase separate right. to what we're seeing PlayStation, there wasn't a whole lot left over for you, PlayStation. Yeah, you look at the only exclusive, if you take those away, the only exclusive was Final Fantasy 16 because Callisto Protocol is also hitting Xbox. Street Fighter comes out on Xbox. Resident Evil 4 will hit Xbox. Tunic is already out on Xbox. And I think Eternites might be exclusive to Sony. But other than that, yeah, you're right. There's not really, I mean, one that we know for sure. And that's going they to be split Fantasy. between PlayStation VR 2. So, and, and I understand that they're trying to go after the market, which they were once dominating. But mm-hmm. I know with Facebook, you know, yeah. now capture the marketplace with its MetaQuest 2. I know PSVR 2 is, is something that's going to be coming along the way to compete again with that, to try and regain the space in the virtual reality but to me virtual reality is still a a small part of the gaming equation and to devote so much time to it on the state of play plus the fact you don't have as many exclusive games as as you i think sony should yeah and and the vr is not like economically accessible for a lot of people quite yet Quite. Well, two ninety nine for a start for the MetaQuest two. That's a decent entry point right there for you. So, still, I, think, I mean, you you look at kids wanting to save it for consoles though, and you're going to see. I would yeah. much rather buy a PlayStation or an Xbox as opposed to. Agreed. As yeah, you know my thoughts on virtual reality over the years. I've I'm not been the biggest fan of it. I, I just think that we're not at the point where we really need to be when it comes to virtual reality, especially with right. everything still connected to you in order to go ahead and experience it, but. Getting back to the actual conferences itself, in the long run, I think they've got the better amount of first-party games. I think they still have the better mm-hmm. amount of titles, but it's the long run. And right, right now, right. in the in the short term, in the next 12, 18 months, it looks like it's a more even matchup between Xbox and also PlayStation. Yeah, and you know, it's Sony does make great first-party narrative-driven titles. You know, I will give them that. 
this whole conference didn't focus on first party titles at all. Imagine we're going to get a first party conference September, October, maybe. And that's going to talk about like God of War and whatever else they have planned yeah. for the next 12 months. But Xbox really like came out of a lot of the titles that they were talking about were things that nobody really had any idea. Well, well they don't have a handheld. They don't have a, a virtual reality to mm-hmm. go ahead and worry about having to devote to. All they have to do is devote to Xbox Games Pass devoted to Xbox Series and the PC. Right. right. And, that, and they focused in on that. And that to me, I think is the key. I give them the slight edge overall as far as the presentations are concerned. The titles that they threw at us over the next 12 months, there's not a whole lot of big titles coming our way from both of these major, yeah. major, well, there's, major console makers. Yeah. And even in Nintendo, too. I mean, there's not a whole lot of big, big name games that are coming our way. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious when Nintendo is going to be announcing something. Even looking at the Xbox Bethesda big games that they announced, like they have Redfall, Starfield, Forza. Forza Motorsport. Is, is, it, is it a remake or is it just like a reboot? It's a reboot. I guess it's closer to a reboot that you could say because there's been so many years since the first one came out. This is a redesign or yeah. reboot of it. So yeah, it's still going to be something that people are very familiar with if you're into the Forza Motorsports sim side of the equation when it comes to Forza Motorsports. Yeah, but they, they sound like they're trying to get more into like the e-racing arena with how many more like customizable things you're allowed to do on there. So I'm wondering yeah. if they're trying to like compete the big name in e-racing right now. With iRacing, I know a lot of people have been talking about that for years, but that's that's a, that's a heavy duty investment. I know we've talked about mm-hmm. it on this show with iRacing mm-hmm. that, yeah, it's a great, it's probably the most realistic of all the simulators that are out there and, and what you have to do. But the, to, in order to be competitive, you have to go ahead and invest a ton of money. And I'm not even kidding on that. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break Podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. And once again, this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Josh Peterson along with me, Gerald Glassford. Once again, thank you so much for watching and listening. Truly appreciate it. But when it comes to the showcases uh, focusing in on the xbox showcase today again if you're talking about what's releasing over the next 12 months they had to focus on a lot of smaller developers because they don't have a lot of big things coming up on the way what most impressed you outside the redfall outside the starfield which had an extended presentation which looks to me starfield coming from bethesda and all that looks like a combination of let's say no man's sky halo and elder scrolls had a baby it looks like the, everything that came together like there but all out in space is what it looks yeah. like it's so funny because i heard no man's skyrim i thought that was so funny right there nice, but nice. yeah i think that at this point in time being the few big names that they had to really offer as far as new, fresh, large, AAA scale games, they had to focus in on a ton of smaller games. Were there any other smaller games or anything that pointed out to you that you think really people should focus in on when it comes to the Xbox showcase? Yeah, so Hollow Knight's Silk Song is definitely going to be a big hitter for indie fans. But I, I tell you, man, like 
Xbox Games Pass getting Riot Games on there is huge because before you couldn't play League of Legends on consoles and now yeah. you're able to play that like that's going to be a a big hit for people yeah. who are especially if you're a, a fan of League of Legends or it's going to make League of Legends more accessible which is going to thus do a lot for the the esport arena yeah I, I agree with you on that yeah and that that's huge and you know we talked about Forza Motorsport what are your thoughts on Overwatch 2? You know, I look at this game and I say, like, oh, cool. It has a fun-looking multiplayer. Like, we play this in esports at the school that I coach at. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a cool game. The kids love it. You know, it's a nice alternative to things that are, are bloody and gory. So parents have less of an issue with it. But I'm looking at it. And, like, all these characters have such rich and interesting backstories. But there's no campaign mode to play for any of them. That's something I think that's the reason why it has its niche. It has a nice following with the original Overwatch, but it can't expand onto that because it just doesn't seem like there's that that there's a, it seems like there's that missing piece of the puzzle when right. it concerns not having a campaign or something larger that everyone can gravitate to. It just seems to me that it's a competitive multiplayer. It's going to stay a competitive multiplayer, and it is very beloved in the esports realm because it's a free to play. I don't think it will ever become one of the top titles in the Bethesda library. It'll just be something that, again, it's going to be something there that's going to be nice. It's a nice addition. It's it's going to have a nice following always, but it's just never going to become as large of a AAA factor, I think, as, as other games in the Xbox library. Which is sad because the potential is there, but it also, you know, like you said, they have their niche and that creates the potential for burnout. Like you're not going to have a lot of player retention with something like that you know if you're crafting backstories for these characters and not willing to expand upon them you're gonna create a pretty high turnover rate i think you know we keep going here we have elder scrolls online high aisle fallout 76 it was just more multiplayer experiences i was kind of bummed at the forza horizon 5 dlc like i've been waiting for like a legit festival expansion i hate these hot wheel add-ons like i think it's just it's cheap it removes what makes Forza Horizon so great is like exploring the environments and said like locks you into these tracks. And I don't know, man, like what are your thoughts on this? I love the game, but I don't know if I love it enough to play a Hot Wheels DLC. I kind of disagree with you there because it always seems fun for me. It allows you to be even more creative, I think, to create those kind of goofy little tracks and goofy, even larger extensive tracks that I think that some people have a lot of fun with. I know with Wreckfest, when they added in the Hot Wheels style expansions that you could go ahead and, and create those amazing tracks that I thought it was it made it even that much more fun. So I think in a right context it is. But again, it's nothing that you go ahead and, and dive in deep into. It's just, a to me, yeah. like a, a, a nice little sidetrack DLC. I did like the Lego DLC in the last one, though. That yeah. was cool. All right, our friend Vinny D is in Arc 2, apparently, so that's okay. cool, I guess. Scorn is one. We talked about Scorn a long time ago, and this game has experienced a series of setbacks and delays, but it looks like a really demented game, but I am kind of into it. Well, it has those Dead Space vibes as being a... It has the Dead Space vibes. Sci-fi, horror, uh, you know, if you're into that, I think this could be for you. Uh, you know, how bloody and how gory it's going to be because it's it's claiming and guaranteeing to be mm-hmm. a 
very bloody, over-the-top, gory game. So we'll see exactly how over-the-top it can be because there is a crowd and there is a following for those type of games. So I'm definitely yeah. uh, looking forward to scoring when it comes out. But I don't expect it to become a AAA hit by any stretch no, just no, because no. It, if it's content limiting its following and its its player base. Yeah, and then, okay, I just got a few more things here. The uh, Did you see the Flintlock Siege of Dawn trailer like that? Yes. Looks cool, but the combat mechanics look very repetitive. Like, you're only able to use your sword and your gun. Like, there's no combo or counter. Or maybe they just didn't show any of that stuff. But That could be the case. It, it also, yeah, but if they don't have that stuff, it looks like it could be a fun game that will get frustrating really quick. Minecraft Legends, which is going to be uh, its own strategy game, but you know, obviously from Mojang, the creators of Minecraft. We'll see how that blows up because, of course, Minecraft is most recently topped again the charts out there, especially overseas. And yes, Minecraft is still selling big all these years later. So never yeah. going to go ahead and, and disparage the great work that's done by Mojang, especially with you know millions of people all these years later mm-hmm. still having fun with Minecraft. So that's to their credit. I know mm-hmm. for me, Summerfield is still something I'm looking forward to. Diablo 4 is something I think that I wanted to go ahead and mention as well, that Diablo 4 has been announced as far as coming within the next year. So I know that Melinda hopefully will be able to... Uh, enjoy the fact that it was coming to PC. Maybe yeah. she'll be able to get it for a PC. I know she's really adamant about not getting an Xbox for any part of this Diablo equation, but I'm going to talk to her on Friday to see if she might actually have some interest in getting it on PC. But uh, Yeah, she has a Samsung TV. She don't have to worry about that. She can just use uh, download the Xbox Cloud app on the Samsung. I'll see if I can go ahead and talk her into that because she's really adamant about not getting part of any of the Xbox experience. And mm. it's just so funny to see that, that how yes, much of a PlayStation yeah. hardcore. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna say she's part of the PC master race. So no, no, no. She I mean she has PCs, but she tries to lean away from playing games on her PC to vote mm-hmm. to all the stuff that she does with her projects. So we'll see what she's going to say about the latest information from Diablo 4. But the Persona, some of the games are going to yeah, be that's uh, huge. That's yeah. a the uh, partnership with Atlas. Like Persona has never, I don't think it's ever been on Xbox, or maybe it's uh, one entry. As I know, Phil Spencer yeah. said returning. So I think I think it has. Yeah, I think it has. But that's way that's back when. Big. There's going to be a lot of hours dumped into Persona on Games Pass, and uh, yes. I never, you know, I always wanted to play Persona when it came out. I think Persona Four was the last one that. I remember that came out on PS4 and I remember wanting to play it and I just never got around to it. So this might be a chance, you know, if there's doesn't seem like there's too many things coming out between now and Christmas. So I might sit down and put some time into persona. So really what it comes down to for me is with Xbox, you're talking about Redfall and Starfield versus Final Fantasy and God of War when it comes to exclusives, uh, at least from what I've seen so far. If Final Fantasy 16 stays a PlayStation exclusive, that's let still me, something. Let me ask one more question. Sorry. Woe Long Fallen Dynasty. Where do you stand on that one? Like, that's Team Ninja put that together. They just did Strangers of Paradise. 
Well, any of these projects that they're doing specifically for Xbox or Xbox in mind, you always wonder, is it going to go ahead and have the full devotion? I know when it comes to recent releases by, let's say, Bethesda, when it comes to the PlayStation exclusives that they've had to go ahead and they were still contracted to doing, do they have their heart fully invested into doing it? So when it comes to it, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. What I've seen so far in the brief glimpse looks okay and looks pretty good. But Team Ninja is a, a very vaunted studio. And at some point in time, I think that they're going to be able to produce a game at a level that we're used to. So maybe this will be it. I'm, I'm hoping this will be it anyways. I want to go ahead and say, though, before we head on out, again, it's so disjointed where the Summer Game Fest was here. The Gorilla Showcase was there. You had the Xbox Showcase today. You had the State of Play over 10 days ago. Again, it's just all over the place. I think it loses a little bit of its impact because it was not all done over the course of a brief period of time and and really showcased out there. I think I, I see, I mean, I'm looking at general news reports and general news outlets, and they're not covering any of this from the State of Play or Xbox Showcase or anything out there. So again, it's losing touch with the general audience and just focusing in on the gamers, which is great for us gamers. But still, if you want to go ahead and spread the word to the general audience at large out there, it's going to be harder to convey that message when you're not doing it as a joint effort in the industry. But before we head on out, my friend, your final thoughts on Xbox Showcase, State of Play, and Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest. Again, the announcement of the Last of Us remake was the big title there. Some other great announcements as well, which I'll go into before we head to the break. Let me just say, who wanted a Last of Us remake? Like, I know it's not two, it's one that they're remaking, but who called for some? Who wanted something like that? You know, it's this is going to be the uh, what the PS5 version upgrade. That's yeah, upgrade. but I mean, they've remastered and upresed it and upgraded it. Like th- this game has been worked on more times than I can count. And who wanted? Like it's not old enough to have a from top to bottom remake. You know, it, it's just like this. And I know that this arised after. The Last of Us 2 team didn't really have anything to do, so they just used the tech to remake Well, they're also doing a multiplayer. Right, right. But still, it's just like it's not something that I think too many people are going to be excited about, especially at a $70 price point. Like, I don't think that that's a wise decision as far as marketing goes. But anyways, if you ask me, I think State of Play had a lot of really cool things. But again, none of those without, you know, with the exception of Final Fantasy 16 were exclusives. I look at Xbox's conference. Yeah, they had a lot of things. I started to fall asleep in the middle of it. But I think they win E3 because they showed more content. Well, E3, Summer Games, whatever. I think they won this year because they have more games being pushed out between now and I guess the the end of the year and into 2023. What's the month? It's uh, June. So between now and June of next year. So yeah, and, and we'll see if, if Sony comes back around and says, hey, we're going to have a first-party conference. And, you know, at that point, I might change my mind, but we'll see. Well, again, with Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest, it did have a lot of excitement itself. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 had the Quarry, had the new Saints Row. It had Warhammer 40K Dark Tide, Marvel's Midnight Suns. All great showcases for games that are upcoming that I liked them all. The Last of Us Part 1, like you said, they announced a remaster there. And of course, they announced also as well The Last of Us Multiplayer that's coming up as well. So looking forward to going ahead and seeing all of that. 
Summer Game Fest. It was good, but again, it just seemed like it went under the radar for a lot of people because it was not put on a platform like an E3, which would, I think, showcase it more to a general audience. And I'm going to say that and reiterate it, and I apologize to the audience for doing so, but I really think that the importance of E3 was never more stated than in the past 14 days by all these disjointed conferences really losing a lot of its weight. But overall, Xbox, I think, had a decent, pretty good showcase. I think PlayStation also had a good showcase with its state of play. It was a little bit split between the PSVR 2 and what was available and coming for the PlayStation itself. But again, what they showcased is pretty good outside of with all these, it's all what's going to be exclusive and what's not going to be exclusive. So we'll wait and see which of these games eventually will just be a console exclusive to each of these consoles. So we'll see on that one. But Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Fest, there was also the State of Play and also as well Xbox Showcase. If you have thoughts on any or all of these, there was there games that stood out to you? Was there something great that you saw that you really can't stop thinking about? Was there a game that you're looking forward to? Or was there a lot of disappointment from any of these conferences? We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos on the social media. And again, if you want all the announcements, it's in our Facebook pages on both Game Source and also as well PopCultureCosmos in the news feed. So please go ahead, check it out today. All the info from PlayStation State of Play, Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest, and of course the Xbox Showcase right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Coming up next, it's my good friend Mr. Rafael Barlow from the NBA's BigBoard.com. He's going to come up right after this talking about Hustle and his personal experience and how he relates to it as someone who has traveled the world as a guy scouting those next NBA stars. What was his thoughts in regards to Adam Sandler's Netflix hit, Hustle? We're going to talk about that coming after the break. And then on the back end, we're talking Jurassic World Dominion's returns. And of course, Marvel's Thunderbolts. Is Marvel Thunderbolts a go? We'll talk about that coming up on the back end of the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. But it is Rafael Barlow from the NBA Big Board podcast. You got to go ahead and check them out wherever you get your podcast, YouTube, but also as well, nbabigboard.com. Go ahead and subscribe today. It is part of the awesome Substack network that's out there. It is nbabigboard.com. And of course, everything that he does for NBA Draft Junkies as well. So much is always on your plate, but you did take some time to go ahead and check out Adam Sandler's latest movie on Netflix called Hustle, which is based off a longtime NBA scout that wants to go ahead and become a a coach. And in order to do so, he finds and discovers a budding superstar that nobody else has yet, played by Juancho Hernan Gomez. The movie itself for me starts out really promising and something I could, because when I'm watching it, I'm thinking of you, my friend. 
Because <laughs> I thought of, of me one, when I was watching it. <laughs> because I'm thinking the way it sets itself up as far as the trailer and, and what you see before you watch the movie is that, my gosh, this is going to emulate so much of what uh, you know my good friend Rafael Barlow has talked about on our previous shows, which you can catch here on the Lakers Fast Break podcast. So much about all your travels around the world and all the things that you've seen and discover as you as you look at these kids when they are kids to when they become full grown men and beyond and eligible for the draft and whatnot. And then I see that it just becomes a point where, okay, he hits Adam Sandler's character. It just he goes to Spain and that's it. He finds the guy and that's it. It just doesn't really delve into me what the most fascinating parts of your life can really be and that to me is one of the major letdowns of the movie and then it goes into the paint by numbers hollywood tropes type deals as far as the ultimate outcome for wancho hernan gomez character i really like anthony edwards in the film i thought he was really good kenny smith i thought was good but your thoughts on netflix's hustle i liked it i'm not a big movie guy so i thought it was okay i, I, I liked it a lot i mean i'm again i'm not like a big movie critic or anything like that of course, you know, there are some parts were a little cheesy and unrealistic, but maybe it was just me overthinking it because I live in the world. Like, for example, I was watching it with my wife and I was telling her, like, moms and parents and family are not allowed at the combine. You know, just nitpicking. Like, the combine was in Chicago, <laughs> not New York. Yeah. And I, I even know, like, at the combine I went to in Chicago a couple of weeks ago, agents weren't even allowed to go. And I remember the whole time I'm, like, texting agents while their guys are doing their, their drills, like, all right, he just made five in a row. He just had a 40-inch vert. So that part was kind of unrealistic. But again, nobody would really know that. I mean, I only knew it because I was at the Combine this year. Of course, you know, the cheesy part about there was no process of getting his family passports <laughs> to get there. How about the training part of it, where Adam Sandler works with Wancho Hernan Gomez's character in order to go ahead and become that draft-eligible player? I think that's very realistic. You got to think the average NBA player is going to make $8 million a year. So someone is going to invest that type of time. If you can just get him to be an average NBA player. Yeah. Yes. I, I do think a scout <laughs> would do that, you know, train him. So I thought the training part was realistic. The part I did like was at the beginning, the arenas and, you know, the scenes where he was scouting players, it looks just like how, the gyms in, in Europe look. I thought that part was very realistic. The part about the family where he said he hadn't been to his daughter's birthday in like nine years. If it falls during the NBA season, that can be very realistic. All the travel, it's not really glamorous. Like it, it sounds glamorous. It's really not glamorous. And so luckily for me, I kind of did everything freelancing on my own. So it wasn't like a team was saying, hey, we need you to go to this back end part of Serbia <laughs> and, uh, you know, having to rent a car, or drive through mountains to get there. I mean, I've, I've seen some of that, but but overall, I thought that part was realistic. But again, I liked it. I, I didn't think Anthony Edwards was acting. It felt like he was just being himself, yeah. which I thought was pretty cool. Um, I listened to Kenny Smith where he said he had to get an acting coach, but I thought his role was good. Yes. I loved all the small appearances from like, Real trainers like Drew Hanlon was in it, Lethal Shooter. They even had the kid Professor from the N1 mixtapes in it. I mean, one of those things where, like, if you're like a real, real basketball head, you saw like the real subtle appearances, like Dale Demps. He was in it. I think he was like one of Doc's assistant coaches. Yep. Um, he just got a new job. Yeah. Yeah. So 
yes, I liked it. I mean, I'll probably watch it again. Okay. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, for me, again, to me, my experience with what, all the things that you said, and it just seemed, again, they had to cut things for time purposes. I get that. I understand that. But to go to the lengths he did as far as what happened when he was forced to go back on the road, and the first thing he does when he goes back on the road is he instantly finds this undiscovered potential superstar it kind of took out or made your job or made the thing that has made your life what it is for the past few years in getting to this point rather easy looking and that's not the case that's you know with you you've explained it so much and on your shows you've explained it so much on your shows how difficult the life truly is and i think it it just kind of watered it down to me it kind of felt like man i wish they would have given that part of it a little bit longer look but you know i actually disagree because i figure like i even use it for let's let's just say like in anything right you can put in hours and hours of work or, or years and all you need is to get lucky one time and it changes everything so you look at the john morant story like whoever that coach was that kind of discovered him probably spent thousands on top of thousands of hours recruiting going to different tournaments he just happens to go in an auxiliary gym and sees Ja Morant and bam, he gets him a scholarship and I'm sure Ja has looked out for that guy. So I, that's why I believe not to the point where you're going to find somebody, you know, <laughs> in some Timberland boots <laughs> playing pickup at a park, but I do think it can happen that way. I mean, Giannis's story, like I was telling my wife, this has a little bit of Giannis's background in it. Giannis was someone that nobody knew. And some scout that had probably that, and I've, I've read the book. I mean, I have it behind me, had put in thousands on top of thousands of hours of time. And he runs across this super skinny, long, athletic kid that has a name you can't pronounce and doesn't have a passport and it's not documented. And bam, this kid is, what is he, two-time MVP, NBA champion? Yep. His story is crazy unrealistic so that's why it, it didn't seem too crazy to me because i think they say he had been a scout for x amount of years yes. so sometimes when you've been doing it for a long time because you've done it for a long time and you you have a better chance of getting lucky than someone that just kind of walks into it so that's why i, I thought that part was i mean there's chances of it happening are slim to none but i mean we're, we're, we're seeing it in real time with Giannis after the kumpo Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this before we go ahead and head on out and before we give you a chance to go ahead and let everybody know what you're doing and how best to get a hold of you with any NBA draft questions is, is there that Juancho Hernan Gomez that you thought, well, I wish actually Juancho Hernan Gomez got to play like he did in the movie. I wish he played like that in the NBA, but that's another story altogether. Is there that one player that you were, I want to say first or among the first to be on the food chain in regards to saying that this could be the next star player. Is there, is there that one story that you like to tell people about the most? In Europe or just period? Just period, just period. I mean, there's some guys that you can say I probably tweeted about and I was early on. I think Terquavion Smith from NC State. I had put him as a late lottery pick. You know, he kind of got a buzz going right after the season and then he did well at the Combine. I remember when he played at the Combine, so many people were texting me. like I never heard of him until you, but it's kind of like he was hiding in plain sight. I mean, yeah. he played at 
Florida State. He was like the second leading scorer in, in the ACC during season. And for whatever reason, people just weren't. In, in, NC State, I should say. I don't know if I said Florida State. But, you said, but yeah, it's NC State. NC State, yeah. So he had a big game against Florida State was the game that I, that I saw. Then Ryan Rollins, who I, I think could be a first-round pick this year. That's a funny story. So I, I, uh, I watched him play at a preseason friendly game in September-ish or whatever. And then I made a podcast about it. Of course, nobody really listened because they're like, and I made it a headline because who's Ryan Rollins? You know, he goes to Toledo. And, and then um, I, you know, kept track of him. Then during the season, one of the last few podcasts I did with Chad Ford, we did a mock draft and I had Ryan Rollins as a first round pick. And Chad's face is kind of like, who? So I don't know if he thought I was like, having one of my, my friends on there, one of my buddies. And so um, he had, uh, he, he said that he made some phone calls and was asking like, you know, who Ryan Rollins was. And some scouts said, yeah, man, this, this kid can play. And one of the comments was now that he has been mentioned as a first round pick on a mock with like, a reputable mock, a mock that's legitimate in a sense. And I said the other ones aren't legit, but one that kind of has a strong reputation. It made it easier for scouts to tell their bosses and their superiors, like, no, I, I think that this kid is worthy of, we need to do more work and, and you know, just kind of do more background on him. And so, I mean, of course, I mean, he still hasn't been drafted yet. We're still a couple of weeks away. But now you're starting to see him on different boards he played well at the combine and i think espn just they're slowly putting him on their board i think he wasn't in the top 100 to maybe like two or three mock drafts ago then he went from not being there to 44 i think he's 37 now and and so you're starting to see a rise so i would say i was just kind of early to the party i wasn't the first maybe the first one with a decent sized platform that mentioned him but um there's some other guys that that like him so but again i mean it's still early he hasn't been drafted yet if he becomes a first round pick then then you know it kind of makes me look good a little bit but that's probably the, the closest i can get well i'll tell you what you've over the years provided me and so many others that have listened to the show so much knowledge when it comes to the nba draft and i am truly indebted to you as always i'm so happy for you your success your upcoming new member of the family. I'm yeah. hoping for long life and, and good health for you, my friend. But before we head on out, I want you to go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you, all the great stuff that you're doing. Because, you know, you're not doing a whole lot. No, you're just doing this, 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 and that, that, that. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're always busy, my friend, when I talk to you behind the scenes. So please let everyone know how they can get a hold of you, what you're up to, and where they can find all your great work. Yeah, you can find me at NBA Big Board. That's the newsletter. It's it's subscription based, so it's kind of exclusive content. Uh, it's fifty dollars for the year. You can do seven dollars a month. So, for example, I just put out an article today. It has some intel from scouts, agents, and players about what's going on behind the scenes. Then um, I have the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, which I've been doing five days a week. And then um, you can find me on Twitter. Barlow, B-A-R-L-O-W-E-5-0-0. And it, it's it's my personal page, but I talk basketball. And but you you may get um some some non-basketball takes or, or jokes here and there. But yeah, I mean I'm on there all the time and 
I read most of the stuff. I, I, I can't respond to all of it now. It's kind of, I don't want to say I've made it, but my followers have increased, which is more people sending me messages here and there and, you know, a lot of different requests here and there, but I'm still very accessible. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow from the NBA Big Board. You got to go ahead and check them out today, nbabigboard.com. Thanks so much, Rafael. It's been great to have you part of the program once again. Always good to have you a part of the pop culture cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back with the show at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Want to thank so much Rafael Barlow from the NBA Big Board Podcast. Also as well, nbabigboard.com. Please go ahead and subscribe today to his Substack stack, nbabigboard.com, to find out the latest news and what's going on with the NBA draft. Go ahead and check it out today, NBA Big Board. And also as well, his podcast, five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. My friend, before we head on out, Jurassic World Dominion, pretty good returns. It was somewhere right around what I was anticipating. It actually ended up $142 million here at the domestic box office. So it did beat out the initial returns for Top Gun Maverick, which I think has got to be something of note when you consider a poorly rated Jurassic World beat a top rated Top Gun Maverick initially. But here's the thing, my friend, as it climbs to a really nice $400 million worldwide total in its first full week of release at Jurassic World Dominion. The thing is with Top Gun though, it has continued to have legs. It has continued to have those consistent weeks. People are saying some good things about it. The word of mouth is really strong and it's actually now closing in on $750 million worldwide. And looks like, looks like it could be the first $1 billion hit of the summer. I don't think that Doctor Strange is going to hit it. It's right now at 915 million. It doesn't look like it's going to top out at a billion. It looks like it might get close, but no cigar. It looks like that Top Gun Maverick might have a better chance of doing so. Your thoughts on Jurassic World Dominion? Again, a very poorly rated Jurassic World, but with the kind of financial returns, as I spoke to Melinda, do you think this is the end, actual end, of the Jurassic World series as they had talked about and hinted about as far as this being the end for now for Jurassic World. Okay, so let me just start this off by saying, you know how I feel about movie critics, right? They are all not saying great things about Jurassic World Dominion, so naturally I was like, I'm going to love this movie. And I did. It was a really good movie. You know, like I was not a huge fan of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, but this one they did a great job at wrapping up this franchise in a way that I've never seen before. And it was easy on them because they didn't really have to develop characters. They just kind of had to finish characters, if that makes uh-huh. sense. And they did a great job. 
the stories weren't overwhelming. It, there's a lot of fan service, but it wasn't like obnoxious. I don't know. I just like I came out of it like feeling good, and like there's a lot That's of uh, a lot of like action elements to it. You know, like that scene with the motorcycle and Chris Pratt it had like some born identity vibes to it. And he's being chased by the Raptors, but then you still get the elements of being in a Jurassic Park as you know Bryce Dallas Howard crashes into the trees and in Italy I think is the mountains of Italy where that park was and then they have Dr. Grant and Ellie Sadler and Ian Malcolm coming together to kind of figure out like what Biosim's up to did you watch the movie yet no I've not watched the movie yet okay okay I won't spoil anything for you but I don't know it's just like all the elements came together in such a great way that i don't know it just like it felt good to watch and they also incorporated camp crustaceous from the netflix show into this new movie so it was very well put together very well written the stories were all wrapped up very nice do i think they're going to do more you know i want to wait till you watch it to really like flesh that out but looking at it i would say no i would say that unless they're planning on making it into like more of a horror movie which is like what steven spielberg always imagined the original jurassic park is a horror movie oh for sure for sure yeah. yeah but i don't really see an avenue of storytelling that doesn't go into a horror movie vibe because again i this is a hard question to answer because you haven't seen the movie yet but it wraps it up so nicely and in a way where you're sitting there thinking to yourself like oh that's it you know like things are just like this now and so I think they will either let the series rest for a long, long time, or they will reboot the series at some point. Oh, I think they'll reboot it. And I think they'll reboot it sooner yeah, rather than well, Because a reboot seems like the only place they can go now. Because, you know, like we saw in the end of Fallen Kingdom, dinosaurs are out in the world, right? So there's not really the, the thrill of like, oh my gosh, they brought dinosaurs back to life. It's gone. Yeah going to tell you right now that i think that they will bring it back sooner rather than later and i think that a possibility if they really want to think about it if they don't want to bring it back in a movie form quite yet that you know they've got that peacock that really yeah. needs a lot of help i've talked about a fast and furious series after the fast and furious movies are done i really think that they need to look at that these, with some of their big ips right and these are big budget films though i mean fast and speaking of fast and furious like the reunion on Jurassic Park did not feel like Fast and the Furious, where it's very like cheap and not thought out. Like the reunion on Jurassic Park and the parts where all the characters come together felt good. It felt organic. So good job to them. But anyways, back to your comment. These are like multi-million dollar movies. So I don't know like how much budget they're going to want to put into a streaming platform as opposed to like putting it into a movie theater, you know? Yeah, I understand, man. I just think that when it comes down to it, you know, the the power of money is going to speak. The odds are most likely with a Fast and Furious and a Jurassic World slash Park, whatever, Jurassic, whatever, what you want to call it. It's going to be rebooted in some form or fashion sooner than later. I mean, Universal will just not be able to not want to touch those IPs in some fashion, considering the fact that they don't have a plethora of just overwhelmingly popular ips in the first place so especially for something that's struggling like peacock i think it's really something that they need to consider at least somewhere in that base of hitting the fast and furious or as well either or as well the jurassic series they have to go ahead and do something at peacock because they're really falling behind 
No, I absolutely agree with you on that. But, you know, I, I feel like if they were to look at their choices of like, do I put something out on Peacock and try to save a failed streaming network or do I want to rake in millions of dollars from people going to see these movies? They're going to choose the movie avenue every time. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Because even you know that and you have Peacock that it's not exactly the it's like if i had a, a dying goldfish and someone's like well we can save your goldfish for several million dollars it's going to be an expensive surgery i'd be like Ooh, you know <laughs> is that worth it for me very good analogy but it is jurassic world dominion it is something i think that is doing good and very good we'll see what the continued word of mouth if a lot of people feel like Josh, that it's a very good movie and that they need to go ahead and check it out. But please go ahead and share your thoughts with us today. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com and PopCultureCosmos, wherever you get your social media on Jurassic World Dominion. If you liked the movie, if you thought the movie was not that great or what you think the prospects are for the Jurassic series, could you see it going on to a peacock? Or do you think they're just going to go ahead even after the results of what's supposed to be the final Jurassic World, what could be in the future in the cards from Universal in regards to a new Jurassic reboot? I'm assuming sooner rather than later because, you know, Universal can't keep away from that money that the IP continues to bring with those dinosaurs. I think it ultimately money talks and dinosaurs walk with that one. Yeah. What are your thoughts out there on Jurassic World Dominion? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, Marvel, in an article by Deadline, it looks like they are interested officially in going ahead with the Thunderbolts. So the Thunderbolts are a go, 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 like that old song I remember. Nice. But with the Thunderbolts, it looks like that there is now a definitive way that we can see Thunderbolts come onto the screen in some fashion, whether or not it's going to eventually come on theaters or go into a series. We don't know 100% yet, but it looks like that Jake Schreier, him and Eric Pearson, I guess they all came together when they pitched Marvel as a concept for the Thunderbolts. It looks like that they are going to go ahead with a new Thunderbolts scenario that'll come up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So your thoughts on this, my friend. The only catch is, is that Thunderbolt Ross, if they want to relate it to him directly like they do in the comic books, it's probably going to have to be a recasted Thunderbolt Ross because William Hurt passed away in recent months. But your thoughts on what a future could be with the Thunderbolts in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, so Thunderbolts are kind of like DC's Suicide Squad, right? Like they have yes. a, a changing lineup that is constantly in flux. So I'm wondering here, obviously they're setting up to use Abomination. Obviously they're going to use US Agent and the new Black Widow. I'm curious though if they're going to end up using Deadpool because he's been part of the team at one point. That would be a really big get for them. Baron Zemo. Uh, Baron Zemo, I'm sure, and Taskmaster. I'm going to do the dance. I'm going to do the disco yeah. dancing that he did. Yeah, the no, famous meme. Famous, yes. famous meme. But anyways, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a cool concept. You know, as far as like General Ross goes, like I'm curious if they would do CG for him. I know they have to get the family's permission to do something like that. But that could be cool or they can approach it from his final will and testament scenario and have Mary Louise Dreyfus kind of take over the team from there. I think they're just going to recast him. I think it would just make sense if they just recast. Well, I mean, I'm looking at if they They've already recast him once. 
Remember, yeah. he wasn't the original Thunderbolt Ross. Where are you? Are you sure? Because he was Sam in... Elliott was the original Thunderbolt Ross. If you think back to the original. Oh, you're right. That's not canon, though. I know. I know. But <laughs> you could bring back Sam Elliott. You could, and Eric Bana, like oh, like a World War Hulk scenario, and you have like Edward Norton come back, and that. Yeah. I'm thinking like with Rhodey, he was recast to Don Cheadle. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just curious, like out of respect, you know, they won't recast T'Challa, and they're I don't know if they'd recast William Hurt's character with Rhodey. It was a matter of Terrence Howard wanting too much money. I just don't think there's the same attachment to William Hurt's Thunderbolt Ross character as, of course, we have as a community for T'Challa and Black Panther. I think that people would find it easier to recast his character, but Thunderbolt Ross needs to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much a part of it. I would rather him be an active part. So I think a recasting to me would be acceptable. That's just me. That's just me. Yeah, no, I gotcha. Yeah, I mean, anyways, like, the the concept would be cool. If I can be honest, though, like, it took me watching Obi-Wan the other night to really realize just how, like, big these universes have become and kind of, like, how burnt out I'm getting on constantly having to watch something to keep up with something. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting here watching Miss Marvel, which is good so far, but it's just not... Yeah, I I like... Yeah, it's, it's definitely got character. love the intro they have. I don't know, it's really cool, but... There's just so much. There's so much. And I am wondering, like, with all of this stuff out in the ether, how are they going to bring it together for an event film or make it worth spending time on a lot of this stuff, on a lot of these, like, Thunderbolts, Miss Marvel, all the goods? No, we'll see what happens. Again, it is Marvel's Thunderbolts. I'm still thinking probably about 2024 at the earliest. You could probably start thinking about a Thunderbolts as being part of the MCU schedule. It'd probably come out at some point in the not-too-distant future. Again, when you already have a director and a writer already in the books and that they've pitched Marvel and Marvel has said, let's run with it. I still think the big topic is what are they going to do about Thunderbolt Ross's character going forward and how integral part. You're right. Julia Lewis-Dreyfus, her character is going to be a major part of assembling this team. I still think that Thunderbolt Ross, because it's the Thunderbolts, still needs to be a major part of this as well. I would not be against a recasting, but let me ask you this out there. Would you be opposed to a recasting of Thunderbolt Ross because of the death of William Hurt? So what were your thoughts on a new Marvel's Thunderbolts Thunderbolt Ross, this whole scenario with Thunderbolts now in the future for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We'd love to hear your thoughts, Pop Culture Cosmos, wherever you get your social media, and of course, Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com. My friend, it's been a great episode, a lot of great announcements in the past two weeks in regards to the video game world with Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest, of course, the PlayStation State of Play, and of course, the Xbox Showcase as well. But any last thoughts before we head on out? You know, we'll have to talk about Obi-Wan at some points, but, you know, for the most part, uh, I think we covered quite a bit today. Obi-Wan's been pretty solid watch for me. Not too bad. I, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Ian McGregor, I mean, he's still killing it as Obi-Wan. I think that's... Yeah, he is. It's just, it gets slow, though, in some parts. Uh, yeah. It isn't the book of Slow Buffett, my friend. Yeah, but still, it's like, I don't, like the slowness of it you know and i don't like the like out of touch with my jedi powers element that they threw in there obi-wan's like the ultimate champ to me you know and like seeing him in this state it kind of like 
bothers me. Well, I'm sure there's going to be a point where he regains that mental strength and that confidence because of going from the original 1977 movie. We see what happens there. So I think we pretty much can see a pathway to him regaining that confidence at some point. So hopefully that will happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, hopefully. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.